for soon hobbits will be bound in the fates of us all. Frodo the door! <laughs> I made it pretty far <laughs> into the fellowship <laughs> with getting a lot of the lines. <laughs> she went on for like about, mm, I'd like to say about three minutes. And I wasn't even narrating all the action. No, she was just doing like the monologues. Mm-hmm. And so she had gotten like pretty far into like this soft, quiet voice. And I was just kind of like looking through um, circling quotes and stuff. And then I just hear, Frodo the door! <laughs> and then we realized <laughs> that uh, Queen Clarice of Genovia and Gandalf the Grey's roles could be exchanged and very little would have to be different. A queen is never late, nor is she early. She arrives precisely when she means to. And she'll just roll up. <coughs> and, like, if you can't picture Julie Andrews setting off fireworks and, like, pinching Merry and Pippin by oh the ears gosh. and dragging them. And then Gandalf just, Mia, I wish the crown had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all of us. <laughs> so, so do, do all, all who us. wish to see such times. And Joe... The car oh guy could gosh. totally be in love <laughs> with Gandalf. Nothing would have to change. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's brilliant. Uh, hi, I'm Heidi, and my intertextuality is questionable. Hi, I'm Rory, and I got a haircut. We're pretty obsessed with books and movies and music, and every episode we talk about ones that we enjoy. Be warned, there are spoilers ahead. This week is a little different because you showed the book to me. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Wow. Go me. This book is very much a soul book of mine already. It goes on the special shelf. I got a book on the special shelf. (laughs) It is The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fun side thing. I was reading it on a day I was also wearing a baseball tee. Uh, And I had this moment of realizing that if anyone asked, I would have absolutely no way to defend my straight sexuality, (laughs) (laughs) which is, in fact, my sexuality. But, uh, oh, gosh, I'm like, ooh, can this be my undercover San Francisco disguise? Oh, my gosh, please. (laughs) (laughs) So the Felcher, let's talk about it. It's so good. Yes, please. I love it. It's great. Um, It was actually... It was always on my list, but it was actually a recommendation from a friend of mine. Ooh. So that was cool. She said she reads it a lot, and it is great, and I agree. <laughs> it is great. Totally unrelated to your friend giving you that recommendation, I asked a few of my um, writing buddies what they had been reading, and one of them had just read The Bell Jar, and she was like, you should read this. And I was like, I'm going to move it up my list. And then you came and said, I'm reading this. It's really good. I think we should do it for the podcast. And I went... I'm moving it very up the list. It is on the top of the list. I took it off the list. It is now being read. I'm reading it. It bypassed the Binti series. Like, mm, good job, Sylvia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just a big wow. I also had to deliver a line in a play that went, Sylvia! <laughs> and so every time I <laughs> read this, it's the bell jar by Sylvia Plath. <laughs> Sylvia Plath. So here's what the bell jar's about. Yes. Uh, I'm going to read the back this time. Cool. 
The Bell Jar chronicles the crack-up of Esther Greenwood, brilliant, beautiful, enormously talented, and successful, but slowly going under, maybe for the last time. Sylvia Plath draw- masterfully draws the reader into Esther's breakdown with such intensity that Esther's insanity becomes completely real and even rational, as probable and accessible an experience as going to the movies. Such a deep penetration into the dark and harrowing corners of the psyche is an extraordinary accomplishment and has made The Bell Jar a haunting American classic. See also the prequel to Turtles All the Way Down. I'm just, yeah, yeah, nope. They're the same book, but different. And that is not a criticism, mm-hmm. to be clear. Like, yep. No, 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 no. That's not a problem. That's not a bug. That's a feature. That's not a problem anymore. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. No, it's a good book. It's so good. Just, wow. Ugh. I have a quote. I, quote. I have many quotes, but I have a quote now. Ooh. A small answering point in my own body flew toward it. I felt my lungs inflate with the inrush of scenery. Air, mountains, trees, people... I thought, this is what it is to be happy. I have that same quote highlighted. <laughs> yes, King. It's a great quote. Ooh. Which one? Okay. There is something demoralizing about watching two people get more and more crazy about each other, especially when you are the only extra person in the room. It's like watching Paris from an express caboose heading in the opposite direction. Every second, the city gets smaller and smaller, only you feel it's really you getting smaller and smaller and lonelier and lonelier, rushing away from all those lights and that excitement at about a million miles an hour. Ooh. Youch. <laughs> Ooh. Ow. Uh, this, oh, I feel so exposed. Although this was more before I went to, this is like junior year of college, this, this feeling kind of started to go away. Right. And by junior year of college, I mean halfway through senior year. Right. <laughs> um, this is the experience of junior year, in fact. Uh, JC asks her what she wants to do when she graduates college. I don't really know, I heard myself say. I felt a deep shock hearing myself say that because the minute I said it, I knew it was true. It sounded true, and I recognized it. The way you recognize some nondescript person that's been hanging around your door for ages and then suddenly comes up and introduces himself as your real father and looks exactly like you. So you know he really is your father, and the person you thought all your life was your father is a sham. Yep. (sighs) I'm a sham. (laughs) I, I tried so hard to think I wanted to be a psychologist. Yeah. What I want to be is a writer. What I am, in fact, is a writer. I also thought I wanted to be a musician, which is even funnier than a psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) I love Uh, playing music. I mean, specifically a touring musician. Oh, no. I feel obligated to specify that since we're recording at my full-time job, which is Lahaina Music. (laughs) Like, I love my job and I love being a musician, but that feeling of like... I don't actually know what I want to do with my life, and the story I've been telling about myself does not line up with the self that I am. Ooh. (laughs) It's pretty rough. I don't like it. It's rough. Ooh. I got one. The silence depressed me. It wasn't the silence of silence. It was my own silence. I knew perfectly well the cars were making a noise, and the people in them and behind the lit windows of the buildings were making a noise, and the river was making a noise, but I couldn't hear a thing. (sighs) I knew I should be grateful to Mrs. Guinea, only I couldn't feel a thing. If Mrs. Guinea had given me a ticket to Europe or a round-the-world cruise, it wouldn't have made one scrap of difference to me. 
because wherever I sat on the deck of a ship or at a street cafe in Paris or Bangkok, I would be sitting under the same glass bell jar stewing in my own sour air. The first half of the book was exposure about the feeling of college, and the second half of the book was my brain, (laughs) and I was like, eh. Um, For listeners who are more into recent books, this kind of felt like if Leaving the Atosha Station by Ben Lerner and uh, Turtles All the Way Down by John Green had a baby. (laughs) Like, artist crisis meets regular crisis. (laughs) Yeah. Hooray! And uh, her mom talking about how, like, I knew you'd decide to get better. Oh. And it was just, like, throws book at book. <laughs> throws book at book. <laughs> I have another, I have another quote. Mm-hmm. I remember the ceiling over every bathtub I've stretched out in. I remember the texture of the ceilings and the cracks and the colors and the damp spots and the light fixtures. I remember the tubs, too. The antique griffin-liked tubs and the modern coffin-shaped tubs and the fancy pink marble tubs overlooking indoor lily ponds. And I remember the shapes and sizes of the water taps and the different sorts of soap holders. I've never felt so much myself as when I'm in a hot bath. Oh, mood. (laughs) I got a couple. One of them out of context works just fine. The other one works great out of context and in context is like, okay. Okay. I hate Technicolor. Everyone in a Technicolor movie seems to feel obliged to wear a lurid costume in each new scene and to stand around like a clothes horse with a lot of very green trees or very yellow wheat or very blue ocean rolling away for miles and miles in every direction. It's so true. It's like, because ev- now it's CGI, but like, yeah, you can almost tell if, a movie came out a year that like a new technology was readily available because they do the thing and you're like, I get it. (laughs) Like remember when every movie felt the need to not only come out in 3d, but have something 3d at you. Yeah. Like that, that moment. (gasps) Yeah. That was like, can this moment end? And now it it feels like that's not such a thing, which is nice. I think the main one I remember is Avatar. Ooh, I remember Alice in Wonderland because that yeah. stupid butterfly that oh, has like yeah. that 20 second shot. Yeah. And the staircase that it's like, in case you wanted to play a video game where you don't get to play. Yeah. We have a staircase. <laughs> Here's a staircase. Because everybody knows the most fun thing is watching other people play. This is the other quote. And out of context, it's great. And in context. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't seem to be summer anymore. I could feel the winter shaking my bones and banging my teeth together, and the big white hotel towel I dragged down with me lay under my head, numb as a snowdrift. Oh. As someone with IBS, I know that feeling yeah. way too well. <laughs> this one's about reading a book, and uh, she finishes it. So, I felt sorry when I came to the last page. I wanted to crawl in between those bl- black lines of the print the way you crawl through a fence and go to sleep under that beautiful baked green fig tree yep this book made me have that feeling a little bit i want to climb gilead is one of those books i want to spend my whole life my whole life in just tucked between marilyn robinson's words that's so nice (laughs) but we are talking about sylvia plath and i have another quote i waited as if the sea could make my decision for me 
A second wave collapsed over my feet, lipped with white froth, and the chill gripped my ankles with a mortal ache. My flesh winced in cowardice from such a death. I picked up my pocketbook and started back over the cold stones to where my shoes kept their vigil in the violet light. Like, oh, that's such a poet wow. paragraph. Wow. I know. <laughs> like, I'm like, whoa. Like, that is how a poet does the thing. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. She gets so, like, Esther's psychology is so well-rounded and so developed. If Turtles All the Way Down talks about spiraling, this book actually does spiral. Yeah. Like, Esther's brain spirals, and it just gets tighter and tighter, and her kind of fantasy fantasy world is is hard because it's mental illness but also her warped perception kind of grows and grows and grows to the point that it completely crowds out not only is it an unreliable narrator she's unreliable Uh to the point that there comes a point in the book where i'm like i can't even map on to what is actually happening this isn't just an unreliable narrator who i can kind of see through the narration to what's probably going on right um like with kids were you fighting only friendly fighting and you're like okay so you guys were yeah. messing around all right that's that's not fighting it's like i honestly can't tell and it's yeah. so good oh. and kind of cathartic in like a, i can see why parents think this book is bad for their children when in fact this book is healing when in fact it is great it is catharsis because nothing is more lonely than believing your pain is original yeah that <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Yeah. Uh. It's great. It's just it's a good book and it makes you want to go into it just a little bit. <laughs> like snuggle into it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain that, but like well, it's 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 a hospitable yeah. book. Um and not all books are hospitable. Yeah. This book did not throw me out ever yeah Um, and there are books that do and there are books that that don't it mightn't make me any happier but it would be more one more little pebble of efficiency amongst all the other pebbles (laughs) (laughs) i love that one i love that was where i was like oh so this is turtles right um which like okay there's gonna be someone that's like it came out second sylvia plath was yeah i know yeah i freaking know I read this second. Yeah. Word association. Also, just I anybody that's like, oh, it I need to map onto the classics first. I'm like, okay, but why? Okay, but why? Like it's so much easier to map onto the thing that feels like map onto the thing that's your first language. Yeah. And then, you know, learn the second. Your other that's one. totally fine. Yeah. It makes sense. Ooh. Here's one. I decided to expect nothing from Buddy Willard. If you expect nothing from somebody, you are never disappointed. Ooh. That is a a big mood. Mm-hmm. I hate handing over money to people for doing what I could just as easily do myself. It makes me nervous. <laughs> it makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. Nervous. There's also that great paragraph where she's talking about how she got out of chemistry because she faked the dean into thinking it would be too easy for her yeah and i'm like ugh, that is my favorite metaphor for uh for being high functioning yep (laughs) it's so good that's so good wow it's great just what did i think was wrong 
that made it sound as if nothing was really wrong. I only thought it was wrong. In a dull, flat voice to show I was not beguiled by his good looks or his family photograph, I told Dr. Gordon about not sleeping and not eating and not reading. I didn't tell him about the handwriting, which bothered me most of all. <laughs> yeah. Mood. <laughs> Mood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're back to the ASMR era. <laughs> yep. Well, oh, okay. So this is my last quote. Um, there are many great quotes, which is why you should personally read the book. <laughs> this isn't the last quote that exists. That is good. But it is the last one I am sharing today. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's talking about how uh, she read a story about a fig tree. And she's comparing life to that fig tree. Like figs are different choices and things in your life. And so she says, I saw myself sitting in the crotch of this fig tree, starving to death just because I couldn't make up my mind which of the figs I would choose. I wanted each and every one of them. But choosing one meant losing all the rest. And as I sat there, unable to decide, the figs began to wrinkle and go black. And one by one, they plopped to the ground at my feet. That is a big mood at, like, talents and yeah. abilities. Mm -hmm. Is, like, I can't pick what which one I want, so I'm going to focus on one. And then you just end up, um, they end up rotting and shriveling and dropping. Yeah, and and that every every choice you make is not making all of the other choices is like choosing in the negative. Yeah, um, and and kind of letting it's easy to let that pressure get to you. Yeah, like I think it was John. Nope, it was Hank and Catherine's podcast. Delete this, where Catherine was talking about how not reading a book is not reading all of the other ones. Like they were talking yeah. about that, and I'm like, dang it. And that's just books. What about careers? <laughs> that's just books. That's just books I already own. Yeah. What about the books I don't own? The entire internet is there. That's so true. Thrift books still exists. Oh, thrift books saves my life. Yeah, we've been reading a lot of quotes lately. Like, the last couple episodes. Yeah. So, if you're listening and you have an opinion on that, let us know. Because I like it. Yeah, I like quotes. I don't know. I hmm. I mean, <laughs> let us know your opinion. I'm inherently bad at talking, so mm. of course I like reading other people's words, and everything I say is already unoriginal dialogue. So, if I can just go straight into that little field right there, and uh, you already know it's unoriginal, hey, perfect. I won't be plagiarizing. <laughs> it's referencing. <laughs> it's referencing. <laughs> I smell it in the air. Not farts, destiny. <laughs> now, speaking of things that are transitions if the bell jar is about somebody kind of spiraling into themselves we have a movie that takes literally the opposite tack so bell jars uh really cathartic but also cathartic the way tragedies are cathartic in like sort of a downer sense like it makes yeah. you feel identified the movie we're going to talk about is the 2013 film the secret life of walter mitty which is directed by and stars ben stiller and is like, oh my gosh, that may be the prettiest movie I've ever seen. It's up there. It, it's in my top five, and it's it's certainly the prettiest um, upbeat movie I've ever seen. Mm. Like, there's a couple yeah. action films I've seen and, and other movies where I'm like, mm, it, it's hard to call. Right. But that is, like, by far the, the prettiest upbeat. 
Yeah. It was just wow. Yeah, there were like certain shots that were just mm-hmm. like it would fade from like a film to uh-huh. like a f- like a physical film yeah. to a fountain and it did it so effortlessly that we replayed the clip. Oh, that happened more than once at that <laughs> movie. <laughs> like we replayed it because we were just did that just happen? What kind of transition? That's what? so good. What? what? Well, that was an actual transition. What? And it's like my favorite kind of art in the sense that uh, it's art that is also like enjoyable to watch. Like it didn't yeah. have that feeling of, ooh, I'm fancy. Yeah. It, um, the plot is really simple. Walter Mitty is a desk jockey at a magazine, basically. He, uh, he sorts through the negatives, the film negatives, and preps them um, for the magazine to use. And there's one missing... And it's the one that the photographer has asked to be the cover of the last issue of, of the magazine. Yeah. And so Walter Mitty, who spends most of his time kind of in this very wholesome fantasy land. Oh. Like, he's so cute. Yeah. Um, ha- goes on this wild adventure that is even more wild than all of the fantasies that we've yeah. seen previously. And kind of the transition from Walter's imaginings to Walter's real life, like the way that they handle that. It's just so interesting. Yeah, it was so cool to see a movie where a person branches out instead of yeah. kind of goes into themselves. Because there's 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 to some extent no controlling going into oneself. Yeah. But there's always controlling getting out of oneself. Yeah. And to have a film kind of show that in a way that was really over the top and not accusatory and just like yeah. let's go for it. Um it felt like a Christmas movie? Yeah, that. It had that feeling of like, oh, like I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like I like watching this. It's one pretty, two cute. Like I like watching it mm-hmm. and it's simple to follow. And it's just it's it's just cool to watch. Yeah. I think I think it might be on my list of greater Christmas movies. Which is like, there's the Christmas films that are like, this is a Christmas film and we watch this at Christmas. Yeah. But then there's like the late November, early December, yeah. early January films. Yeah. And like that and Stranger Than Fiction and a few other movies are like my, yeah. this feels like it belongs at Christmas. Yeah. Um, whereas Die Hard, though it takes place at Christmas, is not a Christmas film. Don't <laughs> at me. <laughs> if Die Hard's a Christmas film, so is Iron Man 3. And we all know how we feel about that. Again. <laughs> Don't at me. Also, did you know Ben Stiller could act? Because I seem to always forget that he's a great actor. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I continue to forget that. Mm-hmm. And I will always forget that. Yeah, he consistently surprises me with like, oh yeah, you're good at this. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and Walter Mitty's just so like... I like following his story. Yeah. Like, I like following his story specifically. And, like, he's so sweet and just purely kind. Mm-hmm. Like, he he gives this kid a skateboard. Yeah. He gives this kid, like, a really cool skateboard because he knew the kid liked skateboards. And this one was really cool. And so he traded something for it so that he could have that specific skateboard. And then he gave it to the kid even after, like, he wasn't super, like, involved. It was just, yeah. Ugh. 
and like there's that scene where he's showing the kid all the things he he can do on a skateboard and uh walter mitty has a crush on this kid's mom and so you'd think that it'd be this thing of like i'm gonna impress the mom but he's so clearly only engaged with the son yeah and the mom isn't watching and like it's so rare that you see that kind of thing like just this person's being nice whether or not yeah. it benefits them. Yeah, like, the mother was, like, turned around, like, on the phone. Like, wasn't paying attention at all. And the camera angle was really interesting for that. Mm-hmm. Where it was um, taken from, like, her point of view of her just... It was taken, basically, of her. And then you see him in the background with the mm-hmm. kid doing all these really cool tricks. Yep. <laughs> like, which foreshadowing comes in handy later mm-hmm. <laughs> in the movie. Also, all the locations, like, Whoa. he goes to Greenland and Iceland and a bunch of other places, and it's just like, whoop. Like, whoever did the location scouting for this movie, like, you killed the game. You friggin' killed it. The DP. You killed it. Like, amazing, just absolutely stunning. I am struggling to describe this, and I'm not trying that hard. Like, the color scheme stuff, it just... It worked at a level that I didn't expect it to work. And yeah. also we only see red when Walter's out of his mind. Yeah. Like as in when he's not in his fantasy world. Like his fantasy yeah. world doesn't include the color red. And so it was this great visual cue that you don't notice at first. But it's like, oh, now he's wearing like a red jacket or he's yeah. got a red backpack. And it was like, that's such a neat signature. Yeah. But it wasn't overdone to the point that it felt like, wow, Red. Which uh, we watched a movie recently where we started oh shouting, gosh. white and blue. Oh, look, they're both wearing white and blue again. Oh, look, it's white and blue. Oh, look, they're in white and blue to symbolize their blooming relationship. Oh, wow. What's that color? Oh, it, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. Is your shirt blue? <laughs> oh, no. And then the mom, our, the mom of the person whose house we're watching it in. Oh, they're not wearing blue. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> they're not wearing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so Secret Life of Walter Mitty, yet another film class film, but uh, one yeah. that I'm genuinely, genuinely thrilled to have watched, and it was so good. And finding something that would kind of capture that spiral in, spiral out, spiral around, and do the hokey pokey thing that Beljar and Secret Life of Walter Mitty do, we came up with The Valley by Isley. Uh, oh my gosh. I forgot how much uh, I like Isley. Um, and then I when I- No, until now. Like, I was listening to it many, many times today, like three times over. I redis, or not rediscovered, but newly discovered this album. Like, you recommended it to me. But I had listened to about like three songs from it, Mm -hmm. and I really liked those songs. And for some reason that I do not know, I never had the (laughs) thought of like, oh, maybe if I like these three songs, then maybe I should possibly look at the entire album. So I did that and just, whoa, it was a big mood. I have recently gotten my hair cut and uh, it just, it felt right. Mm-hmm. I was walking and I felt there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was very, I felt in that state of mind. And it was such a fun place to be. <laughs> yeah. It's such a cool album. So many great harmonies. Uh, the lower female plays piano and the higher female plays guitar yeah so i mean i love it because it's it's a it's a girl band that's not like a pop band or like yeah. a it's a girl band description not a girl band genre yeah like it's not the way the music sounds um 
but they have such good witty cutting lines in some of their yes. songs uh, like in smarter if i had one wish should be for you and all the friend your friends who didn't like me <laughs> <laughs> and it's very like i really like the timing mm-hmm. because it's like if i had one wish it'd be that you and all your friends that didn't like me like it's very you think she's gonna say something else mm-hmm. and then it just cuts and you're like oh hey yeah. wait i like that my love for you was faulty. Now, baby, just watch it die. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. 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 I love it. Yeah. They are they have really cool uh, harmonies and stuff. It's also their most grounded album, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Currents is weird. It's really good, but it's <laughs> trippy, like trippy music. And then right. their first two, um, I can't remember what the first one's called, and uh, Combinations. Are, they're both great, but they're much more like Owl City Fireflies era, right? Lyrically, yeah, fair. Um, Got it. And then the valley is over here. Like, excuse you, have a seat. I need excuse to talk. Excuse you, <laughs> ma'am. Excuse me. Yeah, it's it's excellent, um, and tonally piano rock, vaguely speaking, yeah. um, closer than anything else. Again, really interesting harmonies and, and exchanged vocal parts. I recommend everything by Isley. They're a really cool sort of cross between a hippie band and an indie band, which feels like they would be the same thing, but are not. <laughs> are not. Yeah. It just, oh, it made me feel really good today. And I mm-hmm. needed that. I had like tests and things that I didn't know were happening. Mm. <laughs> ended up happening. So I was very, like, it felt unprepared and weird. And just walking with that. mindset and like hair in the wind Mm -hmm. (laughs) my school is on a hill so there is terrain Mm -hmm. (laughs) like this this one patch where you cut through and it's like kind of rocky and so it just it was very like it was a mood today Mm -hmm. it was a mood i needed today yeah yeah isley makes me feel very um competent yeah i felt competent and getting it and ready and just I felt in me yeah which was really strange but like I don't know any other way to explain it yeah no it's I know exactly what you mean uh it's it's always nice when my when I feel like the audio visual of my brain mind body is like synced up yeah (laughs) that's really nice when my frame speed syncing yeah (laughs) the frame speed is matching the audio excellent wow this is great um uh, one time we were, when I was making a music video, we changed the type of music file after we'd edited it to see if we could get a higher quality audio. And it it ruined the video until we swapped back to the original, to the audio track we'd synced it to at first. Right. Because the higher quality f- file was imperceptibly slower. And what huh. that means was that at first it was fine. And like a minute and a half into the song the lips and guitar were completely off from the track because it was just a teeny tiny bit slower. And that is very much how my brain feels a lot of the time. (laughs) 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 So I know exactly what you mean by I felt very in me today. You just explained my entire uh, existence. So thank you for that. (laughs) Spoilers ahead coming to you. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> spoilers head coming to you nope <laughs> um, I'm really hungry this has been a weird episode 
we're sorry, but not that sorry. Mm, it's still coming out. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to see a volleyball game next Friday. Hey, I, you know, it's just fun. Like yeah. making a podcast is fun. Reading these quotes. Cause do you think in our free time, we would make time to read quotes to each other? I can answer that question. We do not because previously well, we, Okay. Mm. But we, <laughs> before we had the podcast, we did that with three books over the course of six months. Yeah, okay, fair. Or almost e- even eight months. Which it's I not think that was more a case of me being too slow than of us not getting together about it. Oh, that's true, that's true. Like, it was more a case of me, like, I need to finish the book <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before yeah. we can talk about it. Yeah, but in any case, yeah, we are making fair. significantly more time, so... Yeah. I don't know. I felt like I wanted to talk about it. I think it's like talk about making spoilers ahead a little bit. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. It's because I wrote a blog about it today. Because <laughs> I had to write a blog I about something. I know exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. But yeah. Reading quotes and stuff. And The Valley is, is one of my favorite. Uh, like it's it stayed on my list of like albums I really like for a long time. So. Ooh, I do have a question with The Valley. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite song? Uh, it's, it's hard tie between Smarter and Watch It Die. Mine is Ambulance. Oh, yep. That song was one of, that song is on, like, one of my favorite slow songs list. Uh But for some reason, like, Smarter and Watch It Die have always edged it out, so. Yeah, my favorite is Ambulance, and then, um, after I took a test in biology, uh, I... (laughs) We were just standing at lab tables so that we wouldn't, like, disrupt people who were still taking the test. And I was listening, like, I was finishing the album off, and I was listening to Ambulance Acoustic, and I was not prepared for that, and so I was just like, oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah. There's an acoustic version? I got this album when I got (laughs) CDs. And so I didn't have the... I'm going to have to get that. Because I oh, got we're this... We're going to have to listen to some, something in the car to food. By the way, um, after podcasting, we go get the same food every time. To be and clear, not the same restaurant. We get the same food. Food. And now that they, they know wait, us. <laughs> and now that they know our order, I'm not even sure we could change. Yeah, I don't know if they would consult us first. They'll just bring us food. One week, I feel like we should just switch plates, like, if we're ever tired <laughs> of the food, because we can't actually order different things now. Yeah, no. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't... Okay, I'm going to have to... Not in the car on the way there, though. No, no. I'm not ready for that. I'm too hungry. <laughs> Which is also why this is, A, a weird episode, and B, probably going to be shorter. Rory, what's your wreck of the week? Wait, it's not my turn. <laughs> Dang it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi, what's your wreck of the week? Uh, Food. What? Food. I recommend eating. It's great. That's not my rec, but <laughs> I needed to say it. Uh, my rec of the week is weird because it's not movies or music or any of those things. I'm making, going off off the trains, off the train track. Wow. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to edit. <laughs> not going to be able to edit that out and I'm not going to try. Um, my rec of the week is unfinished paintings. Ooh, Yeah. I think unfinished paintings, uh, now obviously if it's in a museum or a gallery, it's still pretty darn good, 
but unfinished paintings are one of my favorite genres of paintings because there's uh there's something so interesting about something that looks like it's still developing or like still in yeah. process and still full of potential um and so my two favorites are uh it's a painting of two daughters and it's the artist's daughters uh, and they're holding a cat and you can only see kind of the outlines of the, the cat and their their lower halves aren't finished and the idea of painting children and then not finishing the painting yeah. is wow. just that's such a great commentary <laughs> and then my other favorite is called a poor actress's christmas dinner and her face and shoulder is really painted and the food is painted but one of her arms isn't um and you can just see like the stenciling and it's really distinctly like the face and hair and and part of the dress is like finished yeah. and the rest is just traced <laughs> and there's nothing more being an artist than having part of you feel very complete and part of you feel like it's barely there yeah so poor actress's christmas dinner uh portrait of his daughters with a cat i think is what it's called but uh but yeah just unfinished paintings in general it's an underrated genre and if you're really not into portraiture there's so much cool commentary and thoughts you can have about about paintings that are yeah. not quite finished and, yeah. and still seeing all the potentiality. They're so. really cool. I love them so much. Yeah. Oh, those are cool. I like them. Yeah. And I feel like no uh, nobody's favorite painting is an unfinished one. And I'm over yeah. here like, hello. <laughs> My favorite painting is poor actress's Christmas dinner. Hello, voice. <laughs> hello, voice. When I was in the Ashmolean, which is across the street, uh, right. and it's the oldest museum gallery in England, uh, they have that painting. And so Ooh. I actually was like, brave enough to ask them if I could see it um, or like if it was on display and they were like yeah. it's not on display right now but like next time you're in town or if you're here for a couple more days we can bring it out and like you can have a viewing of it we just rotate the stuff and I was like it's all right and, like I'll be back in town and I'll just write ahead but I was like oh my gosh that tells you how much I like it that I would oh. like I'm gonna talk to the curator now <laughs> yeah no that's a big that's a big so <laughs> unfinished paintings that's my wreck my rec is uh, Rex Orange County. Mm. Yeah, it's a weird mood, but I felt it. So, what is it? Uh, it's an artist. Okay. Rex Orange County music. It's music, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Do <Okay>. that. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just a mu- it's like a an, an uh, a whole artist. Yeah. Ooh, you switched it up. I recommended something somewhat specific, and you're like an entire <laughs> body of work. <laughs> well, a lot of his um things are like two or three songs like a lot of them are eps and i like most of them so nice i love that um specifically i like corduroy dreams and television slash so far so good they're all great but um yeah so that's my rec i like it really is there anything bad named corduroy no corduroy that bear thing corduroy road corduroy dreams Corduroy's the pants. Corduroy's the pants. It's just, they're so fuzzy and soft. They've got textural stripes. Like the songs. Yeah. I like it a lot. Do you have anything to add to the podcast before we wrap it up? No. Roll credits. <laughs> Our theme song is Downtown Love by Reese from his EP, It's Okay to Be Sad. And uh, we love having theme music to you, so thanks, Reese. Both <laughs> I and Rory do pre production by reading and watching and listening to all the things, and I uh, edit and produce the podcast. 
If you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on iTunes. If you're really enjoying the show, support it by becoming a patron through Patreon. There's going to be links and stuff in the description, and we will be back with another episode in the future. At some point, you'll see it. It'll be on a Tuesday. Don't know which Tuesday. But probably the one not next, but the one after that. All right. We're leaving now. Goodbye. Frodo the dog! <laughs> <laughs>